Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Hey, welcome to our podcast. It's Bustin' Balls. I'm Pat Caputo along with the webmaster, Evan Jenkins. And we've got the NHL draft coming up on Thursday night, Evan. Uh, we talked quite a bit about it throughout the year. It's one of those things where, oh, it's finally here. And uh, when we look at the Red Wings and where they're possibly going with the draft, uh, one of the things that Steve Eiserman's done that's been pretty impressive, at least so far, is draft well. I mean, when you're talking about, hey, you got Marit Sider won the Calder Trophy, and then you've got uh, Lucas Raymond finishing fourth in that, and he's only 19 years old. Uh, that is uh, pretty good drafting uh, right out of the gate. So that's a uh, fourth overall for Raymond, sixth overall for Sider. And uh, those are two building block pieces for the future. And the rest of his drafts have been going pretty well. Uh, when you look at the number of players uh, that are in the pipeline, uh, William Wallander, who was taken a little bit later in the draft, uh, he, he was the best defenseman in his league in Sweden. Uh, Cross Hannes played very well in the Western Hockey League this year, a center. Uh, you have a situation uh, where Sobrango uh, played regularly at – Grand Rapids, he's very young. He was taken by Iserman. So you look down the pipeline, you got a goalie in Kosa who, whose team went to the Memorial Cup, and he played well. And you have player after player after player that's in this pipeline. Uh, Soderberg uh, is a player who is uh, six foot seven and scored all these goals in the bigger Swedish league. And he was taken 159th in the draft. So Iserman's first drafts have made Ken Holland's, uh, you know, final <laughs> drafts not look so good, at least so far. And uh, it looks like Steve Iserman's got a pretty good touch with this. The Red Wings are picking eighth overall with all these players in the pipeline. Uh, free agency is in a situation where they might want to sign a player or two. So we look at the bigger picture of it before we look at the draft. But there's a couple things that are obvious about this, Evan. They're not going to take a goalie. Because goalies don't get taken at eighth overall in the draft very often. They just took one 15th overall last year in Sebastian Cosa. And they've got Bedner, who they like. It was a sixth-round pick a few years ago. A big, another big goalie like that. And they'll sign a goalie in free agency uh, to join Devalkovic. That's what they'll do. Uh, they've got defensemen. Not a lot of defensemen. And they're not going to pass on a premier defenseman if a premier defenseman falls to them. Uh, but uh, they do have uh, Edmondson coming in, Simon Edmondson, 
who was last year's uh, first-round draft pick, who played very well in the big league in Sweden, was outstanding for the abbreviated World Junior Championships, which were shut down because of COVID. But he was brilliant before that. He's an outstanding player. And they do have forwards, you know, in their pipeline. And when you look, uh, you see uh, Verano's in the big club. They've got Bertuzzi on the big club. Uh, they have uh, are in a situation uh, with uh, in the minor league. they got Berggren and a couple other players that can play wing, you know, coming up. But they don't have centers. The only one that's in the pipeline that seems to be there is Hannes, and he's not ready for the NHL in the next year or two. But they have to build some strength through center ice. And this is a draft that uh, has center icemen. So if you're in a situation like that, logic dictates that they would take a center. And when we talked about this earlier, the name that I mentioned was Marco Casper. And the reason, Evan, I mentioned Marco Casper is he fits every M.O. of what Steve Eiserman's done with Detroit so far. Uh, Maritz Seider was from Germany, right? Yep. Yeah, Maritz Seider. And Germany's plays in the world tournaments, the junior-level world championships, but they never compete at the highest level because they don't have uh, depth. Or you know, they've developed some great players like Dreisaitl and uh, Stutzla, and now Cider, uh, uh, But they don't have the depth that these other countries do. Uh, and, and he didn't hesitate to take him. But he liked it. It seemed that he played in the big man's league in that level, even though it's not as tough as these other countries. And he drafted him. He had no hesitation to taking him when he was projected by the scouting services and a lot of the draft gurus, 14th, 15th. He didn't hesitate to take him. Uh, When you're dealing in this situation, you're talking about a player in uh, Marco Casper who's like rated 14th or 15th, doesn't play for Germany, uh, but he plays for Austria internationally. A similar type program. Marco Rossi came out of there a couple years ago, was taken early in the draft, and actually has made some progress after a slow start with some COVID issues and all that. Uh, and uh, so, and this kid's played well on the world stage. The one advantage is they get a lot of ice time. The other advantage is with him and Casper is that he played in Sweden, he played in the big league, he played for the same team. Uh, Rogel, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I probably mispronounced it. That Cider played on. And it's uh, that team is an outstanding team. It's a team that contends. And this kid, uh, Marco Casper, did very well uh, for them in the playoffs. So when I look at him, uh, and, and I'm not the only one that's putting two and two together here. You know, they scout that league so well. Uh, they got Anderson over there, uh, and this kid is big, and he moves well. You know, the one knock on him is he doesn't finish that well, but that isn't something that I really noticed. It's different playing against men, you know, than playing in, the, you know, the uh, O or the uh, Western Hockey League or the Q, in these junior hockey leagues where they're doing that. Now, is he something that's similar to Cider and Raymond where they're – a year or two away from being with the big club from what you see just from from tape and the games that you've watched? Because I kind of feel that Raymond and Sider were more on the minority of making it to the big club so fast, but that might have also been a benefit of the Red Wings lacking talent and depth. Where do you see a kid like this could play 
in the big club in a year or two? Well, I think he's more advanced than other players because he's played in the Swedish Hockey League. He's played on one of the better teams. He's played in the playoffs. And uh, even over there on the bigger ice surface, it tightens up. And he seems to play better when he gets up against the better competition. Okay. Are there any kids... Like, so when I, so what I'm saying about him is every I'm not the only one. Okay, I was put two and two together. I, I've, I've heard a couple different uh, mock drafts that actually put Casper in there, which surprised me. But I, I guess when you look at it, it shouldn't surprise you. But, but you're comparing him to a kid like uh, Matthew Savoy. All right, say Matthew Savoy is there. He he is a very good, somewhat outstanding player, really. Played for uh, arguably the most talented junior team in the country in Winnipeg. I know they didn't. They lost to Cosa actually to get to the Memorial Cup. But this kid, man, he's you know five ten, one hundred eighty pounds. But he can. He's really skilled. And if he's there, you know, what do you do? You take him or you take Casper. Uh, now, if you put Marco Casper in the WHL. I'm pretty sure that he would be pretty dominant player. And if you put Savoy over playing in Sweden, I don't know if he would be nearly as formidable. And that's kind of the judgment that has to come down to this uh, with the players when you're talking about junior players. You know, who's played against who and who can compete against the league? Casper would not be a player that would play for the Red Wings next year, if you, to answer your question. Uh, but Raymond had a year. Mm-hmm. And so did Cider. Uh, so Cider actually had a couple years. One year he played in Grand Rapids. The next year uh, he played uh, for that team that Casper's uh, playing on Rogel. Okay. So it's uh, you know to me it's it's always two or three years away. This draft uh, is a is a draft with one guy that I think is going to play in the league next year. One. I don't see a, a, a number of players uh, coming into this out of this draft playing in the league. There's no Connor McDavid. There's no seminal talent in this draft. Okay, uh, Shane Wright uh, played for Kingston in the O. He's a guy that I think will play. If Montreal drafts him, I think he'll be on their big club in the fall. I think he's the only one. But I don't think that necessarily, uh, Evan, he should be the number one overall pick in the draft. If I had that pick, there's no way that uh, I would take him in that draft I would look in a different direction, not because Wright isn't really good. He is. But uh, but he's more of a, like at a talent level. He's a little bit different type of player. As Nico Heischer, who was taken first overall uh, a few years ago, uh, that, that would be a, a player that, uh, you know, if I'm looking at that pick and uh, I'm looking at Shane Wright and I'm saying, okay, what is the ceiling going to be like when these guys are 22 or 23 years old? And I would look in a different direction with that. And uh, that's the truth of the draft. So, And, again, it gets down to who's played against who and who's played where and how it will translate into uh, the NHL as they uh, come down to uh, this uh, circumstance where everybody's trying to figure out exactly who should go uh, where. So it comes down to having a situation where you look. Uh, we talked about Connor Geeky. I know you loved his name. Uh, he was his teammate uh, of uh, Savoy with Winnipeg. That's a pretty good center ice combo. Uh, but he's a big power forward type of center. I'm not so impressed with his skating watching him, but a lot of people really love him and think he could go. 
uh, easily in the top 10. I just don't see the Red Wings taking a Savoy or taking a, a Connor Geeky, uh, somebody from the Western League, uh, in that uh, spot. And those two guys are both really, really good players uh, who are getting uh, a lot of uh, play. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, a couple of the U.S. developmental players, uh, Connor Gauthier is somebody that's got a, a really, really good shot. And uh, he's positioned out at left wing. And he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, you, you, the Red Wings need goal scorers. Yeah. And it's not like they're loaded on the wing. So they could take somebody like that. I don't see any of the premier defensemen uh, in this draft uh, falling to uh, the Red Wings. That I don't see. I don't see a situation uh, where uh, they're in a spot where they can uh, get a defenseman that would be like they got with Edmondson and like they got with uh, Moritz Seider here in recent years. I think the uh, defensemen who would fall into that similar category are all going to be uh, gone by the time the Red Wings pick. Uh, Lilicek is uh, one of them. Uh, I don't think he's going to be there when the Red Wings pick. But they can use defensemen, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they end up uh, playing that. But if they take a defenseman and he's a right-handed shot or they sign a right-handed shot defenseman during free agency, uh, it could be Jeff Petrie if they were able to do something like that. He's 31 but he's a little older, but uh, you might see Philippe Peronic traded then uh, because then they would have uh, a lot of depth with right-handed shooting defensemen, which is a rarity in the NHL. If you got a right-handed shooting defenseman, they're like gold. When did that happen, Pat? Like, growing up, I mean, everybody was predominantly right-handed pretty much. When in hockey, is that a thing, has it always been going on, where the right-handed shot was essentially a lefty reliever in baseball? Is that how it's always been? Yes. Okay. Because it just it always throws me for such a loop being a predominantly right-handed person. But it does seem like so many more people shoot left-handed while playing hockey. Well, yeah. I mind. Yeah. I, I don't know why that is. I, I think the last time I explained to you the dominant eye, yeah. and I showed you that, and you kind of like, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I think that's why people hit left-handed or they'll kick left-footed. Okay. Uh, but I, it never explains why somebody throws left-handed or shoots left-handed necessarily uh, with a basketball. But in hockey, uh, it definitely you know, might be one of the reasons why. Did you ever see how many people golf left-handed? It seems like nobody. That, well, that's my point. It seems like every sport, every, every position or whatever is dominated by a righty. But then when you see a lefty, you're like, oh, okay, especially basketball, baseball, how important they are. Yeah, but are. baseball, it seems like uh, there's – and I know there's more right-handed hitters. Yeah. But it seems like there's more left-handed hitters than the average population of left-handers. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, I, I batted right. left-handed. I kicked left-footed. You know, things – I pick up a guitar left-handed. I shoot the pocky puck left-handed. But I write right-handed throw right-handed, shoot a basketball right-handed, and I golf right-handed because my dad said, oh, you can't golf left-handed. Nobody golfs left-handed. So that's just, you know. Unless you're Phil Mickelson, who was right-handed and decided to learn how to play left-handed. Yeah, but Phil odd. Mickelson, you know, to me is kind of an anomaly in, in a number of different ways, and uh, maybe that explains some of the, uh, the lefty uh, yeah. The lefty image that he's carrying. So, Pat, when you we we talk about these centers and how important is size? You know, some guys I'm seeing are five eight, 160 pounds, 
But then I see a guy that's six foot two, two hundred pounds. For me, being a, a novice uh, hockey fan and, and knowing what I know, I would always go with size, right? Or is that overrated in hockey? Because when you're on ice, size kind of evens. Well, I think up. it's I think it's overrated based on the way the game is now. Okay. Uh, because I think for a long time. Uh, in hockey, uh, size mattered a lot because you had to create room on the ice. Uh, they, you, you skating over the neutral zone, you know, people could hook you and grab you and do all kinds of things. Now those things are penalties. And uh, so it's created more of a game for a smaller dynamic player. And there's always been smaller dynamic players. Martin St. Louis and you go back in the day, all the players are well, small. Pavel Datsuk was a little guy. Yeah, but he was really strong okay. and exceptionally skilled. But now you got Johnny Goudreau and a number of players that can score. So, But there's still, I think, if a, if a player's short, uh, there's still a certain amount of prejudice, I think, toward him in certain situations. And... Uh, I think uh, sometimes that is uh, not fair to the player. So if you look at uh, who uh, is, is in these uh, spots where you're looking at, uh, sometimes you, you might want to take somebody that uh, isn't necessarily tall. But if somebody's under 5'11", yeah. that's where the mark comes off. It's like you don't take them in the top 10. I, you know, and I, I have no idea why there's uh, that type of prejudice uh, toward players, but this draft will be interesting uh, from the standpoint of, hey, you, you look at somebody uh, who is uh, smaller, like the defenseman uh, at uh, Michigan or the, in the developmental program, Lane Hudson. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kid's like 5'8 and 150 pounds soaking wet. He plays defense. Right. And uh, I don't know what he's listed at, but he is really small, but he's exceptional puck mover. So why wouldn't you want to give him a, a chance? And, and now you're seeing more defensemen who are given that chance and end up being, you know, actually pretty good NHL players. So. Well, like one guy that always stuck out to me was uh, Cal McCarr for uh, Colorado, and he was at the developmental team, and he was just a little fella out there, but they list him at No, you think thinking of Quinn 11. Hughes. Is that it? Yeah. What about McCarr? He's he's a little guy. Five, no, he's he's not a little guy. Five eleven, one eighty. Yeah, that's not little. I mean, oh, that's see, a, to that, me, I, that's probably why somebody that skilled, okay, you know, fell uh, that far in the draft because you want a defenseman who's like Maritz Sider size and Victor Hedman size, okay, you know, in an ideal world, sure, and uh, who can skate like the wind and has great pucks uh, developmental uh, skills, so. That's it. But he, there's one player in particular that I, I really, really like, uh, you know, uh, in, in this draft. And he's somebody that, uh, you know, could be uh, a really good player. And uh, he plays for the developmental program. Uh, and he's somebody that, you know, because he's uh, 5'10", uh, you know, people are like, you know, hey, you know what, this guy's really not that good. Uh, it's a player named Isaiah, I, Isaac Howard. All right. Uh, he's an American kid. From, obviously, he plays the U.S. developmental program from Wisconsin. And uh, watching the developmental program this year, yeah, obviously, Logan Cooley is going to go in the top five. I think he's going to go in the top three, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. I think he's going to be the third pick in the draft. Um, but he is, uh, to me, I thought he was the player that impressed me the most. And there's this knock on him because he's small. He's like 5'10", 183 pounds. So I don't know why they think he's so small where some of these other players, they don't. But 
He's a guy who can put the puck in the net. And uh, if to me there's a sleeper in that draft, and I don't know where he's going to fit for the Red Wings because he, he'll be taken, I think, between where the Red Wings have their first pick at eight and their second pick at 40. But if he's there at number 40, man, I would hop on that guy in two seconds for sure. What about Jimmy Snuggerud? Is that how you say it? Jimmy Snuggerud? He's a, a right winger that was with the USA developmental team too, and they list him at 6'1", Is that another guy that could maybe be on their their radar? Well, he's a guy that came on real fast this year. Okay. And, uh, you know, kind of came on the radar a little bit late. And uh, another guy with uh, the ability to shoot the puck, and he's somebody that teams, you know, are starting to look at. But I don't see him being drafted by the Wings. Okay. Are there any trends like I we've talked, you know, with the Lions trends, you saw the Pac-12 with uh the Pistons it seemed like you had a very good sense of what they were going to do on a previous episode of Bustin' Balls. But are there any trends from what you've seen in Steve Eiserman that that maybe the average Joe isn't seeing out there to lend towards what Eiserman could be doing or what Draper's out there looking at or Anything in between? I don't know if they've got uh, some kind of basic draft philosophy. Like in the new the new coach uh, Lalone, uh, he's not. It sounded like uh, from listening to him on Stony and uh, Jansen this morning that he's not going to have any input, and he understands that basically uh, management manages, coaches coach, players play, and it seems like he goes with that philosophy or. Do you think there might be somebody on his radar that he might say to Mr. Eiserman, hey, I really like this kid? You know, I think the only uh, player – look, the NHL coaches got to watch the league. Yeah. So they got to look for players, and you've got front offices. It's like this in, in all sports. you got uh, separation between those who scout the pro guys and those who scout the amateurs. And in hockey, uh, the draft takes these guys all over the world. So there's a lot of time spent in rinks uh, in, uh, that are very cold, where the <laughs> Tim Hortons coffee is very hot, and they're sitting there watching some games. And uh, if you've ever been to a junior hockey game, it's special. You know, in Canada, you know, it's, it's like everything. And I think sometimes, and this is why I think maybe, you know, somebody like Marco Casper could, you know, end up being the, the Red Wings picks. There's some other guys, uh, Euro, is that the Canadian press spends a lot of time seeing these guys. And it's a little more difficult to see the guys that are internationally. And everybody's gotten a lot better at seeing them. It's not like the old days where, you know, Hendrik Zetterberg is going to be drafted 210. Or sure. Pavel Datsuk, 171. Uh, things like that, but it's still, you know, that question, you know, like if this kid were playing in the junior ranks, and there are some foreign kids that do play in the junior ranks, there's a Russian kid that's played, you know, for a couple of years, he's going to be a first round pick uh, this year, and actually I think he's played for Canada in, in international tournaments, so sometimes they come over because of that reason, but you get noticed a lot more in the draft guru realm than you do uh, sometimes in Europe. And I think what uh, Iserman has done well, and uh, I think what the Red Wings have done traditionally well, and not so much in that period where they struggled, is identify these players. So I think that somebody like Derek Lalonde, I, I don't think he's going to spend a lot of time on that, if any. 
Okay. You know, this is going to be a player he's going to get even the first pick in two years. If if the kid is really good, it might be three or four. You know, it's unusual what happened with Sider and Raymond. Okay. And uh, to a degree, Dylan Larkin a few years ago. So the track isn't going to be with that. And you, it, the key is, you know, with him, what he knows about the league. Now, the one exception is this kid named Brad Lambert, who uh, is Finnish, Finnish and Canadian, who was supposed to be, like we were having this discussion a couple years ago about the 2022 draft, one of the top three picks. He's an enormous talent. Now, it could factor in his uncle, Lane Lambert, is uh, the coach of the Islanders. And that's Eiserman's uh, former that's, teammate, Yeah, right? the guy yeah, who uh, replaced Barry Trotz. So he's going to know him. You know, and this kid, to me, is an intriguing player because all they do, you know, and everything that you hear written about him is talk about what a dog he is and effort and all these things, how his instinct's so bad. And all I've ever seen is highlights of this kid looking like a jet out there and looking good. But again, I haven't seen like full games and watched all the different nuances. And Evan, it's about decision making, getting out of your own end. It's about uh, moving the puck up the ice. It's about being in defensive position. And, uh, you know, the great players, obviously, particularly Logan Cooley, is extraordinarily creative Mm -hmm. uh, from the U.S. developmental program. But, you know, for the most part, it's being able to fit up to the NHL level. And who can do that when they're 22 and 23, projecting them at 18? So, and when I look at Casper, that's a player that I see that fits, you know, somebody that he's going to play in the league. At minimum, he's going to play in the league because he can – defend he can move the puck he's got size and he's got skating ability the question about him finishing you know again uh, you know it's hard to tell pat we we talk about mlb nba nfl and nhl all these drafts what's your favorite out of the four because if you were to ask me i would say hockey's got to be top two for you because you really seem genuinely excited not only just for the red wings but just the nhl draft in general i don't know probably the nfl one okay well yeah you know i mean it's a spectacle yeah it's like it's like the king you know and uh there's so much you can get into with it and but but I, i all of them are about the same to me i don't i don't look at them any different you know we we did we talked about the nba draft you know and uh you know it's pretty much you know on that you know what was going to happen there with that? So they said, "Well, did you did you think it was a great draft by the Pistons?" I'm like, "Well, I said they should take Jaden Ivey uh, if he's there, and they did." And I said, "If he's not there, take Jalen Duran," and they ended up with both of them. Well, and then on top of it, I don't know if you remember this. You might. I definitely do. But early on in this podcast, we talked about what the Lions should do, and you mentioned Aiden Hutchinson, like even before they played Michigan State. And people, you're crazy, you're a homer, blah, yeah, blah, blah. I know, I remember that. And then second overall pick, could have been the first overall pick, was Aiden Hutchinson. So I, I don't know how many times people have had you on your back. But, Pat, you, you seem to have a good pulse on this, so it's a, always a fun podcast. Because then when I go talk to my friends during the draft, I name these names. Well, you know, I, I think, and in, in, uh, I'd appreciate the feedback from people listening to this. You know, you can get it on Spotify. You can get it uh, Google, uh, uh, Google, Google Play, Play Apple uh, iTunes, our Odyssey app, of course. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like us. I don't know if you're putting us up on YouTube yet. 
No, we will. That's going to be coming soon where you get to see our beautiful faces. So On YouTube you or whatever. Tell, get your girlfriends out of the room. Yeah. I want to stolen by these handsome faces over here. Yeah, I'm, I might have to get you dressed up because I always come in here ready to shoot no, some hoops. you know what? And this is guys talking about what we like and in the draft, so we don't have to. No, no, this no. This isn't SportsWorks, Pat, on no. Fox 2, which we see you, what, every other Sunday or something Wearing like my that. suit. Yeah, looking yeah. great. So yeah. um, I'm excited for it on Thursday. Pat, it seems like you have a good grasp on what you believe they will do, what they should do, what they could do, and I'm excited. Well, we'll see. Like I said, uh, it, it depends always on who's taken ahead, and there's always surprises. You know, there's always surprises. Now, a few years ago, the, the Red Wings actually got burned by that because Adina wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, wasn't it, he going to make all those teams pay like really, really yeah, bad? And he, he, he was. And, and uh, what I would tell you too is, at some point, Eisenman's got a lot of cap space. He does right now. Uh, and he has to uh, keep a certain amount of players. He's going to keep 50 on his roster. So at some point, he's going to have to make trades. That makes sense, not just for draft picks or doing players. Uh, and I think some of those players you might see on the move uh, this summer. And uh, they're definitely going to sign a goalie, and I would say for free agency, uh, look for Johnny Klingberg and uh, absolutely uh, Andrew Cobb. You know, uh, it's 27 years old from, you know, up in uh, Shelby, you know, up in your your area of the woods. Down M59 a little ways. Yeah, Macomb but, County kid, huh? Macomb County kid. Uh, played at Michigan and uh, played so well for the Rangers in the playoffs and late in the year after he was acquired from Winnipeg. Uh, he plays center. So it, it, everything kind of goes together with it. So that if they don't take a center, which, you know, I don't think Eisenman is going to draft for position of need. Uh, don't worry about it. He's going to figure that out, I think. But anyway, till next time, uh, we'll be back. We'll get into the baseball draft coming up pretty soon, Evan. You always like that one. I, I love that. Yeah, we'll, we'll be breaking down Tamir Johnson soon. There you go. <laughs> Talking about, uh, you know, Holiday's kid. A kid, man, really? Is his kid's playing? Well, geez, between Andrew Jones's kid, Manny Ramirez's kid. Yeah, like it seems... There's one Cape Cod League team that has like five former major leaguers kids on it. Well, you look at the uh, is is that the Toronto Blue Jays? They seem to have a lot of them. Oh, Bo Bichette, Biggio, um, um, and Guerrero. Guerrero, and who's the other one? Uh, Biggio. Yep, yeah, you mentioned Biggio. It's crazy, but yeah, everybody I grew up watching now has kids that are going to be in the major leagues. Just wait till hitting Harold Castro's kids, or wait until Victor Martinez's kid. That's when you're really going to feel old. <laughs> Till next time, we'll talk to you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.